You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 192, Betty Lou Long and Raising Family in Faith. This one affects me because this is my grandma. Let's go. Halfway there. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm your host, Eric Nevins. Thank you so much for joining me. If you just found the show or if a friend told you about the show, I'm welcome. I'm glad you're here. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to go out and give us a, a review or share the show somewhere or join us on Facebook, uh, you, you can do all those things. Just go to halfwaythepodcast.com. You can find them. I am so excited about today's episode, today's conversation, because the person that we have um, on today is really special to me. So one thing I've been thinking about as I've been doing the show over the last four years is my own heritage, my own spiritual heritage, and the the people that have shaped my life and the people that... Um, and, and kind of their religious history as well. And so at Christmas time, I made a very special ask um, to someone, someone close to me. She's affectionately known in our household as Grandma Great, and uh, she is my grandmother, Betty Lou Long. Grandma, welcome to Halfway There. Hello, <laughs> glad to be here. It's so good to to have you on the show. I've done this probably two hundred times. Most of the time, they're not people that I know uh, with all that well already. So it's fun to have to have you here. What uh, what I'd like to do is just tell people a little bit about about you and kind of where you where you are, and then we'll go back through your story. So uh, we've been talking a little bit about how we're recording this in the middle of the Corona chaos, um, and you're you you're live in Des Moines, and you have you live in a a place where you've got other people around, but you're not really seeing them right now. No, we don't see each other at all. Yeah. Has that been hard on you? It's kind of lonesome, but no. Yeah, that's good. I can occupy myself. That's good. Very good. Well, I want to hear about your, your story. So, um, you, now, if I remember right, were you, I can't remember if you were born or you start, you, when you were young, you lived in Monroe, Iowa? Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, we lived there when I was born. I was born in the county seat of Newton, but um, 14 miles away, but we lived in Monroe. Um, my um, grandmother lived with us, so I had an older brother. And then my parents and and grandma, and then I came along, and I probably upset the whole apple cart. I don't know, <laughs> um, but it was uh, it was a good time. We had a a good loving family, and and uh, grandma. When I heard her go. I knew I was not not in trouble because she never caused trouble, but I knew that I had done something displeasing. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, and then uh, when I was, I don't know, in high school or so, Grandma's sister came to spend the winters with us. She had never been married, so to come into a household with three children was a little hard on her, but. <laughs> <laughs> 
we got along just fine. <laughs> yeah, right. Wow. You know, we don't do that as much anymore. Certainly, it no. seems like back in the day you would have your your family around close. Right. If today was like older days, I would be living with my family. Right. But I'm not. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't work that way today. I'm really curious. I want to hear some stories about kind of that that period of time. How long did you live in Monroe? We lived in Monroe until I was 18. Okay. I had just graduated from high school, and two weeks later, we moved to Northwest Iowa, to Sac City. Okay. My dad had already moved up there in January, and uh, and my older brother went to stay with him part of the time. And then we moved to this house that I had never seen until the day we moved, and it was it was a fun experience, but kind of lonesome. My friends were all in Monroe. Oh yeah, they they didn't come with me. What <laughs> they didn't want to go? <laughs> <laughs> no. Interesting. I didn't realize that you grew up your whole life in in or we'll say you're eighteen, like your whole childhood really in Monroe. Yeah. So you said the family is sort of religious. Do you know? Do you remember what kind of church you went to? We went to the Methodist the church. The Methodist church. Okay. It was a good Methodist church. That's good. In Monroe. Not so in Sac City. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. What do you remember about your parents um, kind of creating a spiritual climate for you? They prayed together every night before they went to, to bed, went to sleep. Um, they were very loving to us kids. They loved having us around, and and we went to church together and was church at that time some you know and today it's it's a very different i think is you know church is still kind of our social circle though for certainly for students uh was it like that did you have like a youth group or was there what what was that like yes we had a youth group met on sunday night um i think probably at seven six thirty or seven o'clock at night and then church was at eight oh at eight and on sunday night on Sunday night. Oh, wow. Well, you had to let the farmer get their milking done. Ah. You didn't didn't start things very early. Oh, right, because everybody had to go do their work. That's right. And finish up, and then they would go to church. That's true. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'd never considered that. Because that would be late today. I'd be like, 8 o'clock, now I'm going to bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but if you got responsibilities, it's different. That's right. Oh, we interesting. had to church to do. Had to milk the cows and feed the pigs. And did you guys have that. a farm? No, no. We lived in town because Grandpa was a was a businessman. He had a he had a hardware store. That's true. Yeah, that's cool. Um, okay, so then you guys decided to move to Sac City. So, how, when did you kind of find personal faith? When did it become yours? Well. You know, I've always believed in Jesus. I was taught from from all my life. I suppose I was about twelve years old, and I didn't. It, it wasn't just a moment thing. I sure. Um, it was a gradual thing by the the example of my parents and my grandmother. So 
I, it was fairly early age, but 12. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. So that makes sense to me that it would be sort of a gradual thing for you because you you had this kind of influence and, and it would mm-hmm. just be something that you sort of grew into. Mm-hmm. Do you remember any moments at all when you thought, to when you consciously made a decision, even of a, like a small decision to follow Jesus instead of not? No, I really don't. You don't? Okay. I just took it for granted that's the way it was going to go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which makes sense. Which is really kind of a, that's great, right? I mean, that's a good story to have. Oh, yes. It's better than the alternatives sometimes. <laughs> True. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, okay. So you just kind of grew into your faith, the faith of your family. Correct. When Okay, so when you turned 18... And you guys moved out to Sac City. Now, that's where I remember. So, now, obviously, I wasn't around yet. But I remember the house in Sac City that you were talking about. Yes. Um, vaguely. like Well, I remember certain things about it. I remember the the main floor and the big steps in the front and the, right. and the patio. <laughs> um, or the, what do you call it, the porch on the front? Front porch. Yeah, the front porch. That makes sense. <laughs> and uh, all of that. But, so, how... How did that, so you were lonely, obviously. You left your friends. What did, what did you do? Did you end up going to college? We moved in June, and I went away to college in September. Okay. And where did you go? I came to Des Moines to Drake University. Ah, Drake. Okay. And I I had been there many times because I took my piano lessons there all during high school. So, Did you drive was, clear to Des Moines to get piano lessons? Well, no, that's when we were in Monroe. Okay. Yeah, so that wasn't too far. That's like half an hour. I could take the bus or mother would take me up there. It was about 30 miles from Monroe. Yeah. No, I didn't drive. I didn't have a driver's license until after I graduated from high school. Okay. Could you have gotten one? You just didn't? I guess that's the case. (laughs) Okay. Just curious how that worked. Well, they never thought thought about teaching me to drive. Why do you think that is? My brother, my older brother drove, of course, and uh, probably wrecked the car a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, what older boys do, don't they? Yeah, I think um, so. I remember Uncle Phil. Yeah. And so one day I asked my dad to take me out in the country to visit a friend. And we got in the car and I said, do you think I could learn to drive? And he looked at me and he said, I never thought of that. <laughs> oh, wow. That's bad. <laughs> w- yeah. w- why? That's funny. <laughs> I just It just never occurred to him that you would need to drive at some point. <laughs> well, we walked. It was a small town. We could walk all over town any place we wanted to go. And a lot of my growing up years were during the war. Gas was rationed. Oh, yeah. So were tires. So we didn't we didn't take the car as much as we would now. Yeah. So how old were you when the war started? The war the, we're talking about World War Two. Yes. Um, <laughs> not the Civil War. Right. Right. <laughs> um, how old was I? I was. I think I was in sixth grade. Okay. Interesting. All right. So like right now, I have a son, Josiah, who's fifth grade. So he's almost sixth grade. So right about his age, maybe eleven, twelve, something like that. Right. 
right around you, there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what was your impression of the war? Was it was it a scary time, or what was it like? It was very scary to me. Um, although I felt safe, hmm. but we did have blackouts sometimes. One time when I was babysitting with, excuse me, some some old children, we had a blackout and the whatever they called them, the, the people that checked that you were doing things right, came to the door and said he could see a little light around the shade of the living room blind. Mm. Scared me to death. Oh, wow. <laughs> was there, um, was that, so were you guys burning candles or what, what would you guys do for light? You didn't. Oh, you just didn't. You weren't allowed? No. Oh, wow. See, that's so interesting. So the, the What's interesting to me about that is right now, I guess we're not quite to a situation like that at all, but you know, nobody's leaving home and we're all supposed to be staying home unless we need to get a few things. And, uh, we've never been through anything like that. You know, certainly the the closest my generation has been through anything as kind of scary on a global scale is nine 11, maybe. Right. Uh, That that was scary. That was pretty scary. Yeah. (laughs) I remember, so, um, you know, I talked to our, my cousin, Aaron, so just tell my audience, you know, I know, you know, he's my cousin. Um, I talked to him a couple times a week and they're about to have a baby. And I was just reflecting on that thinking my first child was conceived before nine 11 and born after nine 11. And his is sort of the same with this, this epidemic, you know, right? It's kind of interesting, but, uh, yeah, so those things can be kind of scary. That's that's well, they are very scary, and I, I would lay awake at night. Um, the news would be on, and I had a radio by my bed, and tried to picture what it might be like. Yeah, <laughs> and then I didn't like that, so I turned on some music. <laughs> yeah, right. So you wouldn't have been old enough to know. Did you have family members who went? to war or do you wouldn't have had like friends because they wouldn't have been old enough yet no um my brothers some of my brother's classmates went okay he was three let's see he was four years ahead of me in in school and and some of his classmates were in the service uh not home for their graduation oh, wow. because they were stations elsewhere yeah interesting but none of my friends were were called up at that point they were later yeah i was gonna say they they may have gone to korea perhaps well no no was that too late um let me think <laughs> You're pushing my brain here. <laughs> okay, um, we'll slow down. It was 1948 when. Well, my brother graduated in 44. Okay, and I graduated in 48. So by by then, I suppose some of them had been called up. Yeah. To uh, to graduate to serve, but no, they weren't in on active duty. I guess. 
Right. Yeah, so World War II ended in 45, and then I'm not exactly sure when Korea started, but sort of late 40s there. Well, yeah, you're right. You're, yeah. You probably are right. So it would have been kind of, they would have been the right age for that, which was a hard hard war, too. That was that was really tough. Was it, did that shape you or your faith at all? Like, did you, did you pray or did you, what was that like? Yes, I prayed. Interesting. Um, yeah, I'm just curious how that, how that maybe have, would have shaped you. So one of the things that I think about your generation is you are a master of like just using everything, right? Of what? Of using everything that you, that you guys would have. So, um, you, like you save all the plastic bags and all the, you know, things that you might need later. We didn't even have plastic bags. Well, I know back then you didn't, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. We saved everything. Right. I'm still accused of that. <laughs> right. But that, so that must've had an indelible effect on you. What was that? Do you, did you just make you thrifty or how do you think about that? Well, I remember the rationing things were rationed. And I was the one that had to go downtown and stand in line to get a loaf of bread or some meat or the regular groceries. Um, it taught me a lot about that maybe I wouldn't be able to get this tomorrow. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I I think one you know when I've been thinking about that a little bit lately because of the idea you know right now we have people. I went to the grocery store a couple of days ago, and I had to wait in line for twenty minutes to just check out. Right? Oh, <laughs> we don't do that. <laughs> that's not usual, no. right? I talked to your uncle Larry this morning, and he and his he's in Florida right now, and they went to. Uh, Home Depot and someplace else, and they only let a few people in at a time. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just trying to keep it under those limits. So interesting. So, so you've been through some of that before, even though it's been a really long time. Well, I, I think we could always get in. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a little different. Didn't right? get what you wanted. I remember you telling a story. This is one that I, I would love to hear you tell a little bit. Um, about Grandpa Amer's books, and in his store where he would, uh, you know, let people have things even though he knew they knew they couldn't afford them right then because mm -hmm. he was just helping people. Mm -hmm. So, well, why? Well, I don't know if there's a story there or like why would he? Is was that just kind of who he was? Well, a lot of people did that. Um, they they would just charge it and say, well, "I'll come in and pay for it later." But he, there were some he knew he would never get that money, mm. and we tried to collect some of it years later, and uh, never did get it. And nothing, yeah. And by that time, people could afford it, but they didn't think they needed to pay it. <laughs> years later, yeah, right. Right, that's interesting. Okay. Uh okay, so you go to you go to college at Drake. I went to college for four years. Okay. And what did and you study? Did you study music or teaching? 
No, I was a music major. Yeah. Um, but music education, so I could teach. Okay. I had a, I had a good experience. I I loved it. I loved my piano teacher. I had the same piano teacher that I had had in high school when I would come up to Drake every two weeks or so for a piano lesson. Um, and it was a small enough school at that time to to be comfortable. We knew knew everybody in our area, not not in the college, but in the fine arts college, knew, knew most of them. Yeah. Was, were you nervous about going to Des Moines? I guess you've been there before, so it wasn't a big deal. But No, I, yeah. I wasn't too nervous, except I didn't understand what college was all about. <laughs> like the hours. Yeah. I figured the hours until it took about a week to figure that out. Right. <laughs> that was okay. Yeah, all those little things nobody tells you, right? Right. <laughs> Nobody explained that to me. Right. That makes sense. What was, did you have a student group or something? How how did you learn and grow in your faith during that time? During college? Yeah. I don't know that I grew too much during that time, but I did go to church every Sunday. Okay. Were you a wild, were you like partying instead? Are you... (laughs) Not really partying. Oh, no. okay. All right. I was pretty mild. And um, Grandpa started coming to call on me. Uh-huh. And so we did have a youth group that met a few times after Sunday evening service. Um, How did that go with Grandpa? I'm I'm really fascinated in that story. I don't think I've ever heard it. What, How, Grandpa? Yeah, how'd you meet him? <laughs> he came into my dad's hardware store the night before Father's Day in, um, what, 1948? Well, right after we'd moved to Sac City, so that was 48. And he wanted to buy a fishing rod for his dad for Chris, for Father's Day. And we didn't have what the kind he wanted. He wanted a short rod. And I don't know. Never did figure that out. And <laughs> that's funny. Uh, and it was the first night I had worked in the store. And so huh. he went across the street and bought it from a, a competitor. I've compu- <laughs> com- accused him of that for years. <laughs> that's good ammo. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't worry him at all, but um, so he I didn't make that sale, but he did come back, and you made some kind of sale, didn't you? <laughs> I did, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever heard the story. What he said to his friend after he came into the store. Go ahead and tell it. Well, I I've always had trouble believing this, but he said that he told his friend that I'm going to marry that girl. <laughs> and I, I've always accused him of uh, being um, kind of pig-headed about that. How, how, how do you know I'd do that? <laughs> but uh, anyway, he 
did keep coming back. And we were married after I'd had two years of college. Okay. And then did you guys move to Des Moines at that point? Because he we was going. The, we lived in the Drake trailer court. Okay. There at the college. And, and he went, went to Iowa State at Ames. They had a. Um, I can't think of the word. Did they have like a campus? No, they had to go to he had to go to Ames every day. Oh wow! He'd leave home an hour before he had to be in class, and be home about an hour after he got out of class. They they really had it set up really really nice. Uh, and he had to drive our car once a week or something like that. Gotcha. So he would he would kind of commute, but he had other people he'd commute with, so that oh yes, he didn't it didn't have yeah. to just be him. Yeah, I knew about when to expect him. Or yeah, yeah, that's good. And it, it worked out well. Um, they had a good time, I think. Yeah, you, you said you didn't grow very much like during your college time. Why? Why do you think that is? I didn't do what you said. You didn't grow very much during your college years. Like why? Why do you think that is? Spiritually, probably. Oh, I had too many distractions. And um, I, my friends in the fine arts college weren't, were not interested in that. But Grandpa and I went to church every Sunday and... Um, it was okay after we were married. Yeah. Okay. So you, your friends weren't really. Sounds like no. maybe they weren't believers. Not really. Hmm. They might have. No, they probably just didn't believe. Gotcha. Okay. Well, when when do you think you grew the most in your life spiritually? Mm, after we had children. Okay. Tell me, tell me about that. Well, I, I never had a time that I didn't believe, but I realized that we, they needed to be well-grounded and, um, that we needed to, to set a good example for them as my parents had done for me. And so we just worked at it and it came about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just kept going, right? Right. Yeah. Interesting. What? Um, Cause I, I think of you guys as being very involved people. Because Grandpa, I know, you you always played piano or played organ for church. Yes. And and Grandpa would lead in various capacities. Yes. Um. So, like, how how did that? Was that something you guys did because you just wanted to, or because you had the skills, or what was that? What where where was that motivated from? Did I have skills? <laughs> no, I know you had skills. <laughs> I thought that's what you said. No, I said, like, was that, 
Did you just serve because you could? Yes, because I wanted to. Yeah. And uh, it seemed like wherever we lived, they'd find out you could play the piano or you could play the organ and they put you to work. <laughs> that was a pretty valuable skill. <laughs> well, I enjoyed it. I always did. Yeah. And I still am. Yeah, you still play for your gatherings? I do hear it. Um, the retirement home when we have chapel, but now these days we're not having chapel. Right. Do you still sit down and play your piano? Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Yeah. I haven't much the last two weeks, but. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a good thing. Did, did, um, what was it about music that drew you to, to it? That what? What was it about music that drew you to kind of studying it and learning it? Oh, I just liked it. And later on, uh, I found that being able to sit down and play the hymns was very comforting to me. Is there a time when that was, when playing hymns was especially comforting to you? Yes. Whenever things seemed to be difficult, <laughs> and there were difficult times financially and so forth, mm. I would play them. Okay. And I, after we moved to Des Moines, I took lessons again from my former piano teacher, and... Uh, I would practice at night after the children had gone to bed. And one of them commented the other day that they enjoyed that. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah they could listen to you play. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's cool. Very cool. Well, did you ever have a time when you feel like God was really far away? Mm, not particularly. Okay. Not, not really. I, I always knew that he was there. I didn't think he acted fast enough. <laughs> Were you ever angry with him? What? Were you ever angry with him? Um, probably a couple hmm. times. Like when? Like when I had done something dumb. <laughs> Why did you let me do that? Yeah. But um, I never doubted him. Yeah, that's good. Interesting. Okay. Well, so I think it's interesting how you're having kids kind of shaped you a little bit to think more about, okay, we need to have a good example for them and, and be involved. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. Were there any verses that were particularly special to you? You know, one that I learned when I was quite young, but it stuck with me, is um, that the, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Mm, yeah. I like that. And 
it's served me well. How, like, so give give me an example of a time when that came to mind and it was comforting. A time when that was comforting. Um, Oh, when I would be upset about things. And, uh, There were lots of times that I was alone with the children because Grandpa was traveling or he, when he taught school, he had something every night. And, um, it, I just needed that comfort that would come mm. from that verse. Yeah, because that can be really lonely. Yeah. Absolutely, and hard. Some of us are learning that right now, that it's hard to be a, a, a mom and, or a dad and, and have responsibility for kids all the time. Right. Yeah. Did you do anything uh, with the kids to, to help nurture their faith besides just take them to church? Oh, we had a little routine for Christmas Eve. Yeah story after we decorated the tree oh, well that wasn't Christmas Eve it was earlier in the year but earlier in the month but um, we talked about it and mm-hmm. yeah well I remember I remember Christmas always being a very uh, just wonderful time at your house so, um, we enjoyed it. Oh yeah. Cause you, we would always have these big celebrations and all of the, oh, so all of the uncles. So my mom is, is your only girl, right? right. Uh, I'm just sharing with my audience here. So, and then, um, and so all my uncles and you have three, three other boys and then they would come over and then eventually they had families. Um, although I'm old enough to remember when some of them didn't have families. And, uh, and, or then cousins would come over and I remember the fire and I remember warm, you know, just being warm by the fire and watching grandpa throw, uh, you know, wrapping paper in the fire. That was always fun. Uh Um, you know, just always being, and good food. I remember the food a lot. That was good. (laughs) (laughs) We like food. Well, you must be thinking about Christmas Eve when all the longs came. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. I don't know. Did we ever do that? Did we only do that then? Or did you guys, did we sometimes do it later or or without, without all the longs? Do it when? Did we do it all that? Did we only have that time when the longs would come or were, were there other times? Oh, probably not the, the, the whole family. It, well, that was Christmas Eve, but yeah, yeah. Um, we'd get the brothers would get together. Grandpa had two brothers, and right. But it got a little harder as the children got older. Yeah, eventually that's it's kind of tough. Yeah. But yeah, they they would always come over. So right, that would be Grandpa's family. Mm-hmm. And from your family, what I remember is I remember certainly Grandma Amer. I remember her. Yes. And I remember her being 
I remember playing anagrams with her in Sac City. <laughs> right. Because I'm, I don't know, how long did she stay there? In Sac City? Yeah. Oh, she lived there several years after my dad died. Um, let's see, he was 83. She must have lived there five, six years after mm. in that big house by herself. And then I talked her into coming to Des Moines. So she lived in the same retirement home that I live in now. Right. Uh, that was just, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Although you wouldn't recognize it now. No, it was a different place, wasn't it? <laughs> well, it's been, there's some new buildings. And yeah. Although I, when I walk down one hall, I can see the room where she was in the, in the health center. Oh, wow. Not, not where she lived when she first came because they've torn that down, but it, when she had to go to the health center, I gotcha. can see that room, which is no longer there. Those rooms are not being used, but they're, they're still there. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I remember going to visit her there. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know that we went a lot, but periodically I know we'd go. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I'm glad you have the memory. Yeah. Which is kind of, kind of fun. I've been really struck by the idea that uh, it's pretty special to have known my great grandparents, right? Cause not everybody gets to do that. That's true. I didn't, I didn't know. I only knew one grandparent. Just only one grandparent period. Period. Wow. I guess my, Grandma Amor was still living when I was born, and, and and I suppose I was two when she died, but I have no recollection of her. Yeah. So, and both grandfathers were deceased before my parents were married. Okay. So I only really knew one grandma. Yeah. See, that's that's amazing. And. Uh, and- I- well, I've been fortunate, this is about you, but I've been fortunate to have not only uh, grandparents, but then also some great grandparents in my lifetime. Yes. Yeah. And then, um, and certainly even my kids. So they're pretty, pretty lucky to be able to know you. And I know they think the world of you as well. And grandpa. Well, I'm, I'm privileged to know them. Wow. Well, what, uh, so what would you say if you had to sum it up in some kind of your relationship with God, what would you, what would you say? How would you summarize that? My relationship with God? Yeah. Well, it's continuous. It's a blessing. Um, I'm, I'm glad thrilled that I've always known him, known who he was, and um, can't say that I always was the ideal follower, but um, I'm, I'm so thankful for, for my upbringing. Mm. Are there any other like inflection points or moments that stand out to you? in your relationship with God as, as being really significant? 
you know, when we've traveled and we've been blessed to do some quite a bit of traveling. But I remember particularly one time when we were in New England in the fall and the beauty that surrounded us. And and it's true here, wherever we go, if you look for it, it can be such a beautiful thing. And I think, why did God do that for us? Why has he let us see this? I, but the New England trip really impressed me, and I've seen it in Europe and other places. It's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. How did that make you feel? <sighs> Thankful. Um, just privileged just to see that the beauty around me and and him letting me see it mm-hmm. yeah i love that i think that's it's amazing when you get those moments to see just really the vast beauty right we can get caught in our lives sometimes mm-hmm. but when you see just the vast beauty of the planet and the stars sometimes do that for people or mountains i always love it when we get to drive up into the mountains and, um, yeah, that, that can be really impressive. Yeah. And I, I have this next play, you know, that uncle Larry gave me. Yeah. And I have some beautiful pictures of there on there of you and Aaron in the sand dunes, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And the designs in the sand that I assume the wind did it. Yep. It's it's amazing. It's marvelous. <laughs> well, Aaron tried to kill me on that trip. You can't, not really. <laughs> not really. We, yeah, it is beautiful. It is very beautiful. We went, so that's the Great Sand Dunes National Monument down in uh, right. Colorado here. And he was like, hey, let's go up. Let's just go up a little ways. I was like, all right. So we go a little ways. Let's go to the top of that hill. Okay, so I climb. You know, have you ever been there or been to like sand? You're climbing up sand. Oh, no, it's so hard. It's so hard. So you're climbing up sand, you know, all the way. And then we get to the top. I'm like, okay, you know, I don't work out. I should work out more, but I'm like huffing and puffing. And I've got glasses and the wind's blowing sand. I'm worried about my glasses getting sandblasted. And uh, I get. Yeah, but it was nice because it kept the sand out of my eyes mostly. Um, we get up there, and then he goes, "Oh, hey, let's go to the top of that one." And so then, it just like he did that like ten times until we got to the <laughs> very top of them. And I was like, "Oh, I can't go any further." I I see one picture on here where you're just sitting down. Yeah, and but, I can picture Aaron saying, "Come on, we're going on." <laughs> yeah, that was basically how it was. It was a fun trip, but yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is beautiful and gives you an impression of of the Lord. That was a fun, a fun little trip. I'm so glad that you cousins like to do those things together. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I'm probably closest to him, but uh, that's that's good. And that's we've just sort of we had a lot in common, so that's good. Sort of cultivated that. Well, so. What do you think about? Because I, when I think about you, obviously I think about family, but I think 
I think the sort of legacy of family as well. How does that, how do you think about family and how do you think about, you know, how it influences people and their faith and maybe their lives? Well, family is so important. And um, I feel sorry for people that don't have that. And we see a lot of that around us these days. Um, what was your question? How does it influence me? Or yeah, or how how do you think of family, and how do you think of it as a as an influencer? I think it it draws us together. Um, God meant for us to be families. So when I see my family together, I, I am so thankful for them. That's one of the biggest gifts that I can have, is to have, have them together. That's how it influences me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny, I, I wonder, and maybe I can learn, learn this from you, but I wonder, as, as I get older, I care less about what I get for Christmas, right? <laughs> right. And I care more about who I get to see. Yeah. And a lot of times it's family. We, we don't get back there often enough. So we just a couple times a year, but we get to see you. I always try to make an effort to see you. 